Morning, the Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll open this morning to the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We do want to continue on with our study. We've been uh, taking, if you're visiting, we've been taking, working through the um, seven deadly sins as the uh, ancient fathers uh, um, uh, framed that. As of course, is not all the sins, but for some reason, they fastened in on, on these, and so we want to continue on uh, with this study this morning. Actually, we're dealing with the lower nature, or the fallen nature of man, uh, as it uh, expresses itself and begins to work out in human personality in various kinds of uh, dimensions, and uh, we've been working through these. We, first of all, uh, did the positive foundation, that uh, promise of change. Isn't that a wonderful thing, that God promises change uh, for human personality of the destructive elements, uh, the fallen nature that yields to demonic impulse and uh, exploitation, and uh, the wonderful uh, uh, blessing of the gospel of Christ here, that we can be changed. As you've heard me say before, Christianity is not so much what we are as the promise of what we can become because of God's wonderful grace. So that was the first lesson that we did. Then we did uh, conquering pride. Uh, pride is uh, uh, often said to be at the root of all the other uh, deadly sins, and we uh, worked through that. And uh, uh, can anybody tell me what the solution to pride is? Uh, the law of teaching says that uh, the uh, tr truth is made apparent or is locked into human personality by review and application. So what is the solution to pride? You're making me feel really bad this morning. Okay. <laughs> I taught this. Yes, Twister. Maybe it's uh, get dominion over your flesh. D get dominion over your flesh, yes. Uh, but there's one specific uh, element. That's true. One specific element that is very crucial. I'm waiting till another 50 people come in, so I'm just killing time. Casey? Uh, humble yourself before God has to do it for you. Doing what? Humble yourself before God does it for you. Humility. That's the solution to pride. It works out in very many places. So thank God we had one that learned the lesson, and that's making me feel much better this morning. Then we uh, dealt with uh, uh, with uh, uh, defeating envy. Can anybody uh, tell me what the uh, what the solution to envy was? Uh, Phil, contentment. Contentment, which being content with what God has given you. This doesn't mean that you're robbed of all ambition, but it means that you're not trying to be uh, constantly uh, malcontent or discontented. Very good. And then um, we talked about anger, extinguishing anger. And so anybody uh, know what the answer to anger is? <laughs> That I'm dumb. Anybody want to take a guess? Long suffering. See what? Long suffering. Long suffering, which is one way of 
of uh, uh, stating something else, which is self-control. Yeah. Self-control. Okay, so we want to uh, take a new uh, study this morning, and I want to give several scriptures. I want First John two sixteen. Somebody help me with that, Steve Hernandez. I want uh, Genesis six one and two. Is Justin? I want Genesis six five. Somebody help me quickly. Is uh, Owen Mayot and Genesis six twelve. Somebody else help me. Is uh, Dennis and. Uh, uh, you get Genesis 4.23 for me, Devin, and we'll move in, into that. So probably the most defining mark of uh, this uh, generation is it's been uh, totally sexualized. Now, this is not peculiar to our generation. We're going to work through the Bible. We're going to understand that uh, sexual uh, uh, problems have always been so. The Bible historically deals with that. However, in our generation, uh, because of the ease of access through electronic media technology makes it possible for people to indulge in the imagination privately through electronic media, through television, through uh, cell phones, print books and magazines. Uh, and so this has produced a tsunami, a major tidal wave of historic professions unprecedented in history and unless we gain victory here uh, we can endanger our very soul and, um, and anyone who deals with human personality understands that this has become a major major problem reaching even to now I'm getting articles about schools that uh, down in the early years of school they have major problems with the, this business of pornography, of uh, the, uh, the internet, with the various textings that they're doing, and uh, even schools are rising up and saying something has to be done about the calling meetings with parents uh, to try to alert them to the understanding that they must deal with this uh, because it's causing major difficulty even in the school. So 1 John 2.16, yeah, we're going to come back to this uh, scripture in a little bit, but uh, this mentions uh, uh, and pinpoints, it can use as a text because we want to deal with the business of lust and we want to deal with uh, uh, extinguishing or denying rather lust. 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, so here's a text that we're going to use, and this is uh, pinpointing this scripture. So we want to go back and talk about the history of lust biblically. And so uh, this is the battleground of the mind. Remember that, mark that down. This is, uh, has to do with the mind. Genesis 6, 1 and 2, ancient biblical history pinpoints uh, that this is not new. But uh, this is in biblical history as we're going to run through this. Genesis 6, 1 and 2. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Very notable. And they took them wives of all which they chose. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay, every intent of the heart or imaginations, I think King James said, of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And then uh, uh, Genesis 6, verse 12. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Okay, so uh, this, of course, isn't all of sins, but this uh, biblical history pinpoints this and so what we're dealing with is a god-given appetite uh, that has been perverted the thought uh, or the scripture in um, in uh, the bible's epithumio which uh, literally means a longing this is uh, there's some other words we're going to talk about but a longing especially for what is forbidden so if you'll want to get a definition for lust you'll never get one better than that this is longing for something that is forbidden. And so we're going to detail that as we move through the scripture and uh, bring it some uh, understanding. And so, as I mentioned earlier, there is a, a, a word that's used in the ancient writer, luxuria, yeah, which we don't use at all, but the ancient writers uh, uh, noted that and had to do with licentiousness, which is uh, uh, sexual appetite out of control an indulgence of that for pleasure. Genesis 4, verse 23, we've already noted that made reference to polygamous marriages. Genesis 4, 23. said to his wives, plural. Go ahead. Okay, it's an interesting little uh, poem that I've used in times past that I thought was amusing, which uh, which uh, uh, brings it into focus. And uh, this little saying is, Higamous, uh, hogamous, woman monogamous. Higamous, hogamous, woman monogamous. Hogamous, uh, higamous, man is polygamous. So here we find the problem, and you're going to find this in Scripture, that uh, man unrestrained indulges his appetites, uh, and uh, in the book of Romans, we find a documentation of this as it goes into its full expression and perversity and degeneration. Romans chapter 1, 24 through 26. Did I give that this morning? No, okay. Let me give some scriptures. Romans uh, chapter 1, 24 through 26. Somebody help me with that. Woody's going to help me with that, Okay. Then we want Genesis 18, verse 20, which is Jeff Cooper. Genesis 18, 20. Genesis 19, 27, and 28. Somebody help me with that. It's George uh, Shields. Genesis 19, 27, and 28. So here we find this, uh, this uh, fallen human nature, which uh, takes man into a dominion where he indulges his appetites uh, uh, almost in insanity in many of its dimensions. Uh, uh, you've heard me say that uh, God has given man an appetite for sexual gratification. He made woman's body attractive to man. If this was not so, then man would live in a cave, eat bugs, and smell like a hog. But because of that dimension, he's lured out of his uh, hibernation into society so that he can be civilized. 
This has many dimensions that I'm not going to elaborate on, but that is a profound statement in truth. Uh, and this is why marriage is between one man and between one woman. Biblically, although man has violated that, always turns out badly. Okay, so here we have Romans 1, 24 through 28. This is the book of Romans, and this documents this business of the degeneration of a God-given appetite and expression. Romans 1, 24 through 28. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this God... For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections for even their women to change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, even the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Okay, it'd be good right here to make a statement that uh, most of the ancient religions uh, were uh, uh, religions that uh, homed in on and noted to give license to man for the indulgence of his passions, these fertility cults. When you read in the Bible, you read about the Baals over and over again. Baalism was a fertility cult uh, in, uh, in uh, Astarte, which is a female goddess, Diana a female goddess, Astarte, all of these in various expression, you'll find temples to them throughout the earth uh, uh, are fertility cults. Prominent in many of the entrances was a, uh, a depiction of sexual organs uh, that were the entrance to these temples in, a temp in, a, in these places. So here we have man who left to his own imagination created for himself departs from the revelation of the living God. So in the book of Romans, it documents that because man did not like to retain God in his knowledge. When you begin to uh, have an experience with God, a genuine experience, it begins to bring a restraint to the base passions, uh, whether it's going to be anger, uh, whether it's going to be greed, whether it's going to be pride, uh, having a relationship with God and biblically playing this out, it puts a restraint uh, upon which is what conquering uh, our demons are all about or uh, getting having dominion over our lower nature. So when man departs from that, Romans documents that uh, very aptly in Romans chapter 1, uh, that we don't need to go into all the uh, the foul uh, 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 depictions of that or description, but this documents that when man shoves away or does not want to retain God in his knowledge, uh, then he naturally falls into the uh, what uh, someone said, doing what comes naturally, which is perversity and perversion, uh, and we find that. So uh, in the Bible, then, we also uh, have the history of the judgment against these expressions uh, and it gives us a lesson and uh, this is documented in Genesis 18 verse 20. Genesis 18 you'll read the history of God appearing to Abraham as he's there in Genesis 18 says to him going down to Sodom and Gomorrah 
because the cry of them have uh, come up to heaven and uh, he's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. Abraham pleads for Lot, his nephew, remember that? The, the intercession uh, finally gets it down to 10. He's sure that he can avert the judgment. There will surely be 10 in Sodom that uh, are not given over to, uh, to homosexuality and sodomy, uh, but he's wrong. There isn't 10, and as the, the Lord comes in and discovers that, does not find that, removes Lot and his wife and daughters out of the out of the city and then brings judgment. Genesis 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very great. Okay, here's an interesting dimension. Don't miss this because God says this is like, uh, it's like this cry is constantly going up. In other words, he's, he's, uh, this, the, Human sin doesn't just remain static. Can you say amen? Human sin uh, not only goes beyond himself, as we've, uh, I've preached a couple of times, our personality, we're not isolated ourselves. Uh, what we are is imparted to other people, but it also goes up uh, against the righteousness of a holy God in heaven and uh, almost like an a, uh, incense, uh, perverse incense coming up before God. And he says, uh, this, this is coming up before me. Now, this isn't that he doesn't know this is going on. But you have to understand that in the judgment of God, before he brings this judgment, he's going to give them a visitation. And he's going to measure their response uh, to the presence of God. You know the story? As the angels come to uh, Lot's house, uh, the uh, the wicked inhabitants of Sodom uh, want to commit homosexual rape on them, uh, and this is the response uh, to a divine presence brings the judgment of God uh, that uh, that is recorded. There. Genesis 19, verses 27 and 28. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked. For Sodom and Gomorrah toward all the land of the plain, and behold, the smoke of the country went out as the smoke of the furnace. Okay, here's the judgment uh, upon, and this is God's opinion of homosexuality. You'll never remove that. It's in the book. You're not going to change that by the laws of the land. You're going to change that by uh, trying to call it, give it another phraseology. Uh, this is the interesting thing. We live in a generation that words are being changed. I, I keep wanting to be inspired in a sermon on this because uh, we're redefining words today. Uh, and uh, by redefinition, we think to remove the reproach and we're going to escape the reality of it. But uh, here God called sin what it is. And you'll find the, the, uh, the response to that. There are three words now that uh, work into this. I already gave you epithumio. Then there's three words. Porneo is one of the Greek, Greek words. Uh, Akathartos is another. And another is aselgia. All of these have different tenses uh, of this business of lust uh, that works out. They have specific areas and so on and so forth. But the last one, aselgia, uh, literally means uh, someone who no longer hides his sin, but this is public uh, and has no shame. We've moved into that uh, in America today. It's called coming out, coming out of the closet. Homosexual parades 
And so now we've moved into the second stage. Uh, and uh, when you move into that stage, uh, unless we, unless, uh, unless uh, a miracle happens of repentance, we're going to see a visible judgment of God in our nation because you cannot do that uh, and God remain unmoved. Okay, so this is the last James uh, word is Aselja, which is public, has no shame. Okay, we're going to open it for, uh, for some comment or discussion before we move in. So this is a history of lust in the Bible. So let's have some comment, questions, uh, attacks, contributions, uh, testimony. Devon Hessner. Um, what did I just say? Redefining words. Yeah, queers is a better word because they really do queer things. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, Brother McKay. This is a message of the film. Okay, brother's talking. I know you can't hear him uh, talking about a film that has been made by Hollywood, which is Noah. Okay, go ahead. No scripture. Now, the guy that was a Christian, he seen the thing. Don't go see it, all right? The guy that was a Catholic priest, he said, well, at least it's bringing up a subject in the, in the Bible, but it's so on truth, what they're trying to go there. And, uh, and the, uh, the star, I can't remember his name, but he said, well, everybody has to make up his own mind. Go see it. Well, give me the money. That's what he's saying. Okay. So, it, so the, the the God is is creator, right? That's what it says. And and the judgment came because of uh, overpopulation. Okay, and environment is being in danger, which is a total uh, lie. Yeah, amen. So it's interesting to me that that uh, even some uh, so-called Christians are caught up with environmentalism. And we're going to make sure that we take care of the earth. God's going to burn the whole thing up. I don't know why you're trying to save it. Before it's all over. Okay, good comment. I, I didn't know because I haven't heard anybody that knows what that's all about. I just see a couple of uh, bylines in magazines. So that's what it is. It's environmentalism and indoctrination. Okay, very good. Uh, Phil uh, Mayot. I read a book a while back, and the point of the book was the debt the world owes to Abraham because of all of the fertility cults in the world at his day and in his time God called him out of a land that was totally fertility cold he moved to an area where it was dominated by fertility cults yet he stayed away from that he stayed with the testimony of the ones who got and the only reason today 
we have any kind of sanity in religion because of Christianity. It all goes back to Abraham, one man who was willing to teach his family and to and to move away from that and have nothing to do with it. Okay, called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, which was filled with fertility cults, into Palestine, finally, or what's today's Israel. And the reason that there is a uh, 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 any kind of morality has to do with Christianity. Yeah. Uh, what I see, Senator Steve Garfield. Uh, in First John, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What's the, is there or what's the connection between lust and pride? Is there, is there a connection? Well, they're associated because uh, what lust is uh, uh, a desire for that which is forbidden. And it can go into other things, as we'll see before we finish the lesson. But the pride of life uh, 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 has to do with, with self. And so uh, the gratification of self will play into that, which is, uh, uh, I, think, I think I mentioned anger. Anyone who, who has temper outbursts habitually, uh, you can uh, suspect that they have been into uh, pornography say well, what does that have to do with anything because you're feeding the lower nature feeding self and when you do that it'll break out in other uh, dimensions now good question somebody one more co question comment attack bar bear the book I read about AIDS it first occurred in Africa uh, along the uh, trans-African highway which goes east-west around the Congo area and it started spreading with truck drivers driving that highway and, and sleeping with prostitutes. And then it spread to West Africa and, and jumped through a homosexual community into Europe and eventually got to the United States. The, really, the nearest they can, they can figure out where it started was in, was in the Congo area. And, uh, and they don't know how or where, but it was almost like a like an Old Testament judgment. Yeah, but it didn't just happen. It didn't just happen. Violation of God's laws. Okay, before we get to bogged down there, let's move on. And I want to Exodus 20, verse 14. Somebody over here help me very quickly. Is uh, Chris, uh, Exodus 20, verse 17. Is Phil Mayot. Deuteronomy 23, 17. Is it Pete Baker? Is that Pete back there? Yeah, okay. And uh, I want Genesis 38, 14 through 16. Robert, I want Genesis 35, 22. Uh, who is it, Eric? Yeah, okay. Okay, so a number of examples in the scripture. Uh, and uh, not only the examples, but some admonition that helps us. Remember, we're talking about lust. Lust basically is a desire for that which is forbidden. And so uh, God's word gives guidelines for human conduct. Exodus 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Okay, here we have the uh, restriction concerning marriage, and uh, you will not commit adultery. And not only that, but it moves into fornication. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Nor his male servant, female servant, or his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. 
And then Deuteronomy 23, 17. There shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel, or the perverted one of the sons of Israel. There will be no what? Perverted one. Yeah, the, the scripture says whore. And so, uh, actually, I don't know who wrote that scripture, but, but, uh, they're trying to change the language so that we don't get the shock of what it is. Amen? I remember I was preaching in Australia and I, uh, I, uh, used the terminology and I said, uh, uh, uh yeah, slipping right now what I call that uh, immoral, uh, woman. And this woman came and said, her daughter was a whore, and so she came up to me and said, Pastor, uh, that's a bad word in Australia. I said, I know it's a bad word in America, too. And so, and so it's interesting that, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that we, uh, we live in a generation that wants to change words, uh, to redefine them so that the shock value is gone. And uh, we're not going to take the time to read about incest, we're not going to take time to read about bestiality, uh, but the Bible records for us uh, some events that give us some ind uh, indication of just what we're talking about. Lust is uh, desire that is unlawful. That's literally what it is. Genesis 38, 14, 16. In the Bible, it records the reality of man's uh, misconduct and depravity, not the approval of it, but the reality of it. Uh, it does not try to uh, sugarcoat, just puts a drought. This is what human conduct has pr produced. Genesis 38, 14 through 16. And she put her widow's garment off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped her shoulder and sat in an open place with her by the way of Timna, for she thought that she loved was grown and she was not given to take the wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. Okay, here's the biblical instruction that when a man dies uh, and he uh, has a wife, his brother will take up his responsibility so that he will have descendants. This is a biblical injunction, and uh, so. Uh, Judah did not want to fulfill that. He violated that. The, the widow then disguised herself as a prostitute. She's by the wayside. He turns in, fornicates with her. And there again, the Bible uh, puts it out like it is. It doesn't excuse human nature, but gives the lessons that are involved in that and, uh, and, and puts it out. I think I preached a sermon uh, not long ago. And when we were in uh, Turkey in uh, November, uh, we got a vivid illustration of what it means to be religious but have no moral power. Turkey is 99% Muslim, and it is a secular Muslim nation. So our guide, uh, Orhan, we've had him before, and quite well acquainted, he uh, is talking. So he says, he gives us some insight about the Muslim faith as it works out. So he says, every time there's a wedding uh, that uh, they read from the Quran, this is the holy book, anytime there's a celebration of circumcision, they read from the Quran. Anytime there's a celebration of a, of a birthday, they read from the Quran. But they also, uh, 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 as they read from that, the Quran forbids alcohol. 
and yet they get stoned drunk. He's noting that we didn't make that. He makes the, that the, the admonition to the scripture does nothing to change their life. Then he made another interesting uh, statement. That the, the, the people who pay most taxes in Turkey are prostitutes. And the reason for that is that prostitutes have to register with the government uh, because they regulate it because of disease. They want to control that. But they're the highest taxpayers in Turkey, uh, as he noted that. And there again, we're in a nation where the Quran is embraced, read at every celebration, but it has no moral power. It was very, very interesting. And then he, a little bit further on, he made a very interesting uh, uh, commentary. He uh, visited America and went to Disneyland in Florida. He left a very expensive set of uh, sunglasses there by mistake. He wrote back and uh, they sent him another pair of sunglasses. Weren't his, he sent them back. And uh, then they bought a set of uh, the kind that he had lost, sent them to them. <clears throat> He's astonished at this. He said, if this had happened in Turkey, they would have never even bothered answering my letter. But he says it's so interesting that in America that they uh, wanted to make this right with me because they no doubt have hundreds of sunglasses and things. And he says uh, that uh, they wanted to make this right and they sent me this. And so I asked him this question and there's probably 40 people on this bus. I wanted this to be very apparent. I said, Orhan, why would that have been that they sent that? So he pondered a little while and Paul said, well, I guess because it's Christian. I said, you've got it right. All of America are not Christian, but it has made a deep imprint upon the character of America is that there is in most of society a sense of wanting to do right. They know what's right. They might do it right. But uh, this is why that they did this. And he said, well, this would have never happened in Turkey, although they pride themselves on being ruled by the Quran makes a difference what you believe. Can you say amen? Makes a difference on what you embrace. Okay, so Genesis 35, verse 22. And it happened when Israel dwelt that land that Reuben in the name of Jilah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Okay, here's a violation of home and, uh, and morals. I want to get 2 Samuel 13, 1 and 2 over on the right. Woody. Second Samuel 13, verse 4, is uh, David, uh, Ken Herman. Second Samuel 11, 2 through 4, is it Rob? First uh, Samuel 27, verse 3, is David. And First Kings 11, verse 3, is uh, Little Woody. And James 1, 12 through 16, is uh, Caleb. If you'll get those for me, we want to move through this because the Bible makes uh, these statements as it moves through, letting us understand uh, that the Bible does not varnish these, does not approve of these, uh, but is faithful to re record the, uh, the expressions uh, of fallen human nature. Second Samuel 13, 1 and 2. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Okay, here's a rape that's documented in Scripture, 2 Samuel 13, verse 4. 
And he said to him, Why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Anon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Verse 14. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her to lay with her. Okay, here's the infamous rape of uh, Tamar, uh, Absalom's uh, 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 sister by uh, Amnon. David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Goliath the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Okay, here's the violation of home, morals, and a very steep price. David paid for that. First Samuel 27, verse 3. So David dwelt with Archishagath, he and his men, each man with his household, David with his two wives, Inoan the Jezreelites, and Abigail the Carmelites, they all lived. All right, here's polygamy. I think David had six wives, if I recall correctly, and uh, any man who has six wives is insane. Solomon's downfall undoubtedly is tied to this example. It's uh, is First uh, Kings eleven verse three. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. All right, here's the great tragedy of Scripture: Solomon, who God blessed, uh, gave him wisdom, gave him fantastic grace, riches, influence around the world, and the Bible documents uh, his insanity. Uh, 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines. Not a lot of time for Bible study in a prayer <laughs> when you're in that kind of a house. So we're dealing about unlawful desire. And this can be fed or it can be restrained uh, in the image of the imagination. Remember, we began back in Genesis, the imagination, man's imagination, if it's in the mind. James 1, 12 through 16. Okay, here you have it. Uh, lay it out. So we want to we want to move just a little bit forward because lust is not limited to the sexual dimension. I want numbers uh, eleven four through six over in this section. Help me with someone. Who, who is it, Matt? Uh, numbers eleven four through six. I want First Corinthians ten verse six is Devon. James four verse three. Uh, is, is it Eric? James four verse three and First John two fifteen through seventeen. Dennis, get that for me, if you will. So lust is not limited to the sexual dimension. And remember, the definition of lust is a desire. This is a strong compulsion toward that which is not lawful. 
and uh, and uh, uh, this is the definition. Being not content with what God is providing uh, is one of the uh, is one of the major downfalls. So Numbers eleven four through six. Fellow lusting, the Bible says. Okay. <laughs> Okay, here's God giving them manna from heaven every day they gather this, uh, but they're not satisfied with that. They're remembering the leeks and the garlics back in Egypt, which is a tremendous insight into human personality. They forgot the slavery. They forgot the beatings. They forgot the violation. All they could remember was the leeks and the garlics, which is a sad commentary on human personality. First Corinthians 10, verse 6. Now these things should become our examples, the intent that we should not lust after human things as they also lusted. Okay, here's appetite. Now, we want to move into material things just for a moment. We'll deal with this a little bit later, uh, but uh, we want to touch on this right now. James 4, verse 3. You ask it, do not receive, because you ask of this, that you may spend it on your pleasures. This, uh, this uh, aptly describes the prosperity of preachers today as a... Uh, uh, unashamedly propagate that. First John two fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever okay here's the solution we want to get some scriptures on the battle of the lower nature i want Gen uh, galatians 5 16 and 17. somebody help me with that galatians 5 16 and 17. yeston will do that galatians 5 19 through 21. louis get that for me uh, second peter 2 verse 10 is jeff cooper first timothy 6 verse 9 is uh, stephen hernandez uh, galatians 5 24 which is uh, Corey, if you'll get that for me. Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11, which is uh, McCarty. And 2 Timothy 2.11 and 12, which is Devon. 1 Peter 2.11. Uh, Pete Baker. Okay, let's move through these. Uh, because what we're dealing with now in, in all of these studies is the lower nature. Galatians 5 spells these out. And, uh, and, and defines these very clearly. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 uh, depicts the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, the flesh gives expression to all these destructive uh, expressions and emotion. Uh, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit gives us the solution of how that works out in folks who will respond to God's Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you would not do the thing, things that you wish. And Galatians 5, 19-21. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. 
adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And Second Peter 2.10. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. And 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Okay, and believers now, this is the point of our study, are given dominion to cast out lush, break the power of sin, Galatians 5, 24. Or denying its expression, crucified the flesh. Titus 2, verse 11. Teaching us that denying uh, lust, uh, 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 that denying uh, slips my memory at a moment, but uh, denying lust and ungodliness that we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. Second Timothy two eleven and twelve. This is a faithful saying: For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. <clears throat> In First Peter two eleven. <laughs> Okay, here's the wonderful promise of Christianity is that you can have dominion over sin. You can conquer the lower nature. So let's open it for some comment questions. I have George Shields. Uh, uh, comment about uh, the changing of terms, changing of words. Uh, my father was born in, the, in 1892. This was the decade known as the gay 90s. And uh, it's interesting, a century later, uh, the, the 90s, the gay 90s, would have meant something completely different. <laughs> Very insightful. Uh, Woody. It seems to me that one good way to put things in perspective is to, you know, one thing that will help be an antidote to that, you know, attitude is that just be grateful for what God has blessed us. Because, you know, the gratefulness and an attitude of thankfulness to God for what He's given, what we deserve is hell and nothing less. You know, and every day we get up and we're not burning in hell is bonus, you know, wonderful. But the fact that we get the blood of Jesus, we get relationship with Him, we get all the blessings that He pours out on our lives. You know, and just have that attitude. Say, God, you know, I deserve hell. I should be burning right now. But instead, I'm alive. I have a family. I'm, you know, I, I'm breathing and my heart is beating and you are wonderful. And the problem is we get this uh, entitlement mentality, which has its roots right in pride. It says, well, I have all this because I deserve it. Not because you got it from God. And it says, by His grace, that we're not burning right now. But just have an attitude of gratefulness. Say, thank you, God, for everything you've given me. It's not for me. I don't deserve it. And you are gracious. Gratitude. Uh, thankfulness. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. 
great passage of scripture that uh, documents that uh, if we do not have gratitude, we're in real danger. And so I uh, describe one of the major problems of America, not having gratitude for what God has given us. If he jerks the blessing off instantly, if you ever travel to the third world, uh, how many people went or here this morning that was in the Mexican outreach last week? Let me see your hand. Okay, you saw firsthand what America could be uh, if God's grace and favor was not on us. And Ken Herman. There was that uh, store the other day going through the checkout, and they got uh, some magazines up there. Fortunately, most of it's covered, and it's Sports Illustrated Annual Swimsuit Edition. And I'm thinking, what in the world does uh, half-dressed women with no brains has to do with sports? Men. That's why. They want men to look at that magazine, and that's why the, the mostly naked uh, women are on that, because instantly men's attention sees that. You say it was covered? Well, that's a miracle, I can tell you that. Okay. They're making money off men's uh, lower nature. Yeah, that's right. Sells magazines, sex sells cars, magazine, whiskey, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Very good. A couple more questions, comments. I, I can't see who is it, Gloria? Yeah. Real loud for me. Um, years ago, when I was in a midst of Pisces, and we were in for counseling, and you told me, Gloria, just be happy. And in my Pisces, I'm thinking, how can I be happy in this situation when to me it looks like I'm alive? So I called you the next day. And you told me that, and I said, you told me to be happy. How can I be happy in this uh, situation? To me, what happy means is doing the will of God. How is the will of God for me? And you said, well, uh, Gloria, read Galatians 5.19. I think it's through 26. So I read the, um, the, uh, the scriptures, and it's true. I wanted to do those things. My flesh wanted to hate. My flesh wanted to murder. My flesh wanted to do all things. But my hope was the fruit of the Spirit, and that I could change my actions, and that I can be happy by doing the will of God, by, by um, having the fruit of the Spirit in my, in my life. And so that made me that I lived by that. And that any time that I came across people that were going to be I gave them that scripture because human nature is to do the opposite of uh, when we're in crises, when we want to lash out. But the will of God is to be happy. We can be happy in any crisis. You did what I told you to do? <laughs> What a powerful pastor we have. <laughs> I can fill both hands with people who didn't do what I told them to do. So Abraham Lincoln said, I found that men are just about as happy as they've made up their mind to be. Okay, I don't know what that has to do with lust, but uh, a good lesson. We're going to continue next week. We're going to have church in about five minutes. The Lord bless you.